If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest is Jamie Loy. Jamie is someone who started with horses. We'll talk about that a bit later on in the interview, but she's now teaching horse handling and reproduction. How are you, Jamie? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Jamie, favourite quote to start us off with? What have you got? Yes, well, not a quote as such, but a verse from a poem in my grandfather's book. Yep. It says, the outside world will never know what it's like to love a horse or know the bond that grows between a rider and their horse. They work away together through the wind and dust and rain. Success is never easy. It depends how hard you train. Well, it shivers down my spine now. That was lovely. <laughs> I've heard it before, but, you know, yeah, but I think it really does hit home with horse people. But, yeah, yeah. yeah good it one. shows that you work hard for what you want, regardless of whether others understand why you want it or why you're working towards it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think the classic one is, you know, if you say you're going to have a lesson and they people go, people who don't understand horses say, why are you having a lesson? Can't you already ride? Yeah. Yes, you know, exactly. Just sort of putting, <laughs> putting that extra bit in. It's always about working on ourselves. Yep. Yes, yes. All right, now you talked about your grandfather. So tell us a little bit about how you started with horses, not just how you started, but what your first memories are. Well, my, both my late grandparents, they owned and operated a riding school in Denilquin for about 40 years, mm-hmm. and that's how I got into horses. Since I was born, I was always at the riding school, had a great relationship with my grandmother in particular, um, but I used to go on rides with them all the time, and I remember my earliest memories of being a stubborn little child and making my grandmother take me on every ride, every day, sitting on the pummel of her saddle. And the next day, I couldn't walk. And then I would scream and moan about how I was so sore and that they shouldn't have let me do it. And then the next day, I would just do the same thing. So at the time, it was amazing. I'm sure the next day, I was regretting it. But (laughs) yeah, it's something I'll always remember. Yeah. yeah. And is that your first memory of riding in front of your grandmother's horse? Or do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. So you always had the riding school anyway. That, you know, you never really had that first time. Yeah. It wasn't what you could say a classical riding school or it was more of a trail riding school. They taught you all of the really good basics of it, but they just had fun. My grandmother, she, well, and my grandfather, they taught lessons 365 days a year. They never, even on Christmas, it was kids' dream to be up as their Christmas present to go for a ride at Mary's and she did that. Christmas (laughs) was her busiest day every year. Wow. Wow. That's great. And I got to be a part of all of that. So that was really good. 
Now, being, you know, that kid that wanted to sit on the pommel of a grandmother's horse, did you always think that you were going to have a career with horses or do something with horses? That would have been good role models for you. Did you think that you were going to take over their school or how did it work out? What what was your thought process there? Well, certainly when I was little, that was definitely my dream to take over the riding school. And I suppose working in the horse industry with a background like that is kind of inevitable. But we then moved over to Indonesia when I was young or in my early teens. And we lived over there and had no horse contact at all. And then we came back and moved to the Hunter Valley, which is sort of horse hub central. And that's when I really understood that that's what I wanted to do was to work in the horse industry. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was primarily because I worked on studs, horse studs. Yep, yep. And I thought that that was my future stud reproduction. Yep, yep. In particular, because I loved foal watching. Yeah, yeah. If someone's going to work in the horse industry, what do you think are the core skills or character traits? Something they need even before they start? Yeah, I think you need enthusiasm and commitment and they kind of go hand in hand. You could be completely committed and unenthusiastic and you're just not going to achieve the goals that you want to achieve because it becomes a chore. Or you can be completely enthusiastic and not committed and you're still not going to achieve the goals because, again, it becomes a bit of a chore because you don't mm. like you don't mm. have that commitment and drive to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they would certainly be my two. Yep, yep. But once you are working in the horse industry, what's the best thing? When you're working in the industry, I feel it is good to try and learn something new every day. The industry is changing so much in these recent years, and it's really good to be able to learn and develop with all of the new information that's coming out. So mm-hmm. I think you have to yeah, work hard and learn, try and learn something new. What's some of the lessons that you've learned just, you know, this year or within the last year? I guess on a sort of personal level, you learn how relaxed you can become around your own horses. And I teach safe horse handling every single day. And every single day I realise, well, if I actually looked at what I did with my own horses, I would be considered too comfortable mm-hmm. around them. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, yeah, is particularly in the last few years when I've been teaching horse handling to both experienced and inexperienced handlers, the, uh, I guess, habits we form. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of experienced people because you do get very at home with your own horses. You know, there's a lot of trust there. You trust the horse, the horse trusts you. But then, you know, if you're working with mares that may not be used to a lot of handling and and particularly if you're working with foals because you you work with foals or not. You do yes, the horse yeah. yeah. Mares yep. and foals and stallions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there is a lot to be learned. Yes, definitely. And I find we sometimes just forget about things that horses, like a horse can't see you if you're standing directly behind them. And you might forget that when you're pulling off a rug while standing behind the horse. Mm-hmm. Or one of my mm-hmm. friends, she left a tail wrap on her horse and went to pull it off in the paddock and got kicked in the head. Yep. And just things like that, that that horse didn't do that out of malice. It just simply wasn't aware that she was behind it because it mm. can't see. And just little day-to-day things that we do. And when you actually put it into perspective, yeah, it's good to, to look at things and change it. Yeah, and I think they do a lot out of instinct, don't they? Yes. You know, their instinct is just to protect themselves. So if you don't, don't educate them that you're actually there, then it, they're only reacting on instinct. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Tell us about a person or, you know, and you've already talked about your grandparents who've influenced you and helped you with horses. Has there been anyone more recently than your grandparents? Because, you know, you said that you're away from horses. How, how long were you in Indonesia for? Uh, about four years. Yeah. 
and then came back. So, so since you've been back, who's influenced you and helped you in your career? I find that most people here at the university have. Um, I had a really great experience when I was a student here, and the mm-hmm. teachers and people that are involved here are really great. And in particular, more recently, Hayley Randall has joined the team, and you know she's an absolute wealth of knowledge, and she has this way of finding things, like seeing things how other people might not see them, and that's really great to, again, have that perspective yep, as well. Yep. But, yeah, primarily my grandparents are certainly the people who inspired me the most, I guess. Yep. Yeah, we've just um, interviewed Dr. Hayley Randall as well. Can't quite, yeah, here she is, One 164 she was, if people want to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Okay, now that's good. What about horses? Because you're dealing with horses, but you're dealing with a lot of different horses, not one particular horse. Has there been a horse that you think's influenced you and helped you in your knowledge and your career, or do you think it's been all horses? Well, I think one of the horses I remember is obviously the first horse I owned myself, and he was a research horse here at the university. Mm-hmm. And once the research trial was finished, I then purchased him, and the key characteristic about him is that he's a standard bred. And just a standard bred, full stop, amazed me. And this horse amazed me because they have one life where they get taught a certain way of doing things. And then you use them as a riding horse and you change everything that they have learnt to date. And sometimes it's messy and sometimes you don't quite get it right. And the two of you have to work together to get the right signals. Mm-hmm. But they try so hard. You know, they're doing something that's completely different to them. When they race, they're raced with full pressure put onto their mouths and they're still expected to go at a decent pace until they're allowed to run right at the end. And mm-hmm. we're training them that we don't want them to be pulling on the bit or, you know, go, running towards that pressure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, my standard bread up, his name is Henry. <laughs> and he was a yeah, teaching horse and a research horse here at the university. And I think he's changed my way of thinking when it comes to training horses and handling horses, yep. definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it is hard with horses to learn one thing and then learn another, you know, and it takes longer. So I think, you know, what you're doing with your teaching is you're teaching people that right from the start, if the horses are handled correctly, then um, it's going to be easier for them in later life. And, and they'll always get someone who you know, who appreciates that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the horses that don't get well handled and do misbehave and do have bad habits. You know, they're the ones that become challenges for people. And um, unless you've got a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because it's quite often we can get really frustrated with the horse. And Mm. realistically, it's only the horse doing what he's doing based on his previous experience and just the general lack of understanding of what you might be asking Mm. the horse to Mm. do. Yes. Yep. What do you think? You know, you talked about about Henry and the work you've done with him with a lot of pride. What do you think is your proudest moment? Has it been with Henry, with the students that you're teaching, or in anything in particular there? Yeah, um, Henry's definitely up there with some of my proudest moments. He has been using a few demonstrations at Equitana to show the versatility of life after racing for standard breeds. Mm-hmm. But I guess breeding my own or well, my first foal was kind of my proudest moment because I was able to inseminate the mare myself and fall down the mare and she's now just over one years old and she's you know growing up to be a really great horse and Mm -hmm. I get to apply everything that I know from reproduction which is you know one of my main fields to safe horse handling and I get to start with her right from the beginning of it all and Mm -hmm. I think that's probably been my proudest moment she is a cracker of a horse so I'm a little bit biased Mm -hmm. what's her name her name is Sassy Sassy good name Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to Equitana this year? 
I do hope to, yes. Yep. Yep. But just CSU is having a stall on there, hopefully, for prospective students. Cool. What do you think then, thinking about, you know, where you are now, what do you think your biggest challenge has been? I think the biggest challenge, and when I'm thinking about it sort of more for course handling, is that sometimes you're teaching people that have decades of experience. Mm-hmm. They have done it for 20, 30, 40 years, and I mean, I don't have decades of experience. I've been around horses for my whole life, but, you know, we're talking 28 years in comparison to many other people and so it's teaching them in a way that keeps them enthusiastic about the basics we have to treat every handler as if they are a novice horse handler and we're teaching them a certain way of doing things now we're not saying that the way that we do it is the correct way but it's the way that we do it at csu you know to ensure that we're handling horses as safely as possible Mm -hmm. so i'm telling these people i understand that you've done it this way for you know 10 20 years this is how we're going to do it here and so that's always challenging but it's really good to use their experience as well because you can situationalise or, or put everything into a situation where you might use one technique or another. Yes, yes. yeah. Now, how have you learned to teach those students? Because we have a lot of people coming with some teaching experience. You're always going to get that, though. And I'll tell you about an incident in a minute. But actually, well, I'll tell you now, I had a student that I was training for their instructor course, and when they... Okay, so the week before, I turned up to teach them and I heard them and I was watching just the end of their lesson and they said to the student something like, you know, ride the horse forward into the contact, the horse is sucking behind, he's avoiding the pressure and I want you to ride him forward and get his nose with the contact in front of the vertical, right? Now, she said that. I heard it to a student, really confident, knew what she was doing, good as gold. Then she was at an exam and she said, I can't tell, guess who I have to teach? I have to teach such and such who rode at the world championships, right? And she said that she was absolutely petrified at the exam. And I said, have a look at the way the horse is going. Have a look at, think about what you told that student last week about her horse and don't teach the person, teach the situation, you know? Then she was fine. Once she realised that this world championship rider had a green horse that she was riding and um, she could go out and teach her. She was absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. So, so that's exactly how I felt at the at the conference. Yeah. We just had the International Society of Equitation Science Conference and I had to give a 12-minute talk on the Australian horse industry. And mm. when you're talking to people who have been involved in the Australian horse industry for a long time, it's definitely nerve-wracking, that's for sure. But then once you get into it and you start talking about it or you're on your topic, yeah. fine but leading up to it I was definitely nervous <laughs> yeah and, and you knew your subject and I was one of the people and I you know I've been involved in the Australian and international horse industry my whole life and I just thought yeah interesting you know there were there was sort yeah. of I thought it was an interesting talk I certainly didn't think it was a waste of time I think you did a great job so you know congratulations <laughs> to you as I'm well. glad thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah you could probably tell I was nervous, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think once you got into it, you're fine. Yeah. Tell me then. Haley did give me a pretty good introduction. <laughs> Thinking about um, your students coming in and those students who are coming in with the forty years of experience, because we're talking about the topic, we're not talking about their previous experience. What's the most common fault that you see? Let's start off with what's the most common fault you see with the inexperienced, then what's the most common fault you see with the more experienced people handling horses? 
just in terms of basic horse mm, handling. Mm, yes. Um, I find more inexperienced people are really tight on horses. I guess they, when you teach them how to lead, you teach them where to have their hand on the lead rope. And an inexperienced person, just as an example, will almost always go to hold the buckle of the lead rope nice and close to the horse's head. And I think that's just some sort of sense of security. And despite the fact that you'll tell them, you know, it's quite dangerous to be holding the buckle of the lead rope bay or the clip of the lead rope, they'll still do it and quite constantly you'll have to be telling them to move their hand down. Mm-hmm. And then when we're talking about people who have been in the industry for years, it's the opposite. They quite often assume that the horse knows everything and they're a bit lax in how they hold the lead rope or how they handle a horse, particularly because the horses that we use are so used to having everything done to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's just yeah. an example of... So sort of one experience to the other. Yeah, yeah. And then just generally, is there anything else you need to say about just common faults or common just training that you feel you're going over and over again with either experienced or inexperienced? Yeah, where to stand with a horse and like using your body language as well when you're doing things. It's so common that students will stand on either side of a horse while one student's doing something and a student will do something else. And what I absolutely hate is when you see students taking a rectal temperature of a horse and there's one person standing on the left side of the horse taking the temperature, yep. one person standing on the right side of the horse, holding the horse, stopping it from swinging its hindquarters away from the thermometer, mm-hmm. and then there's someone standing directly in front of the horse. Yep. And yep. when I see that, I almost have an aneurysm because yeah. it's just the potential that someone getting injured, if not all three of them in that situation, is so high. Mm-hmm. But yeah, where students stand and turning their backs on horses, this is experienced or inexperienced people. When you're working with a horse that you're comfortable with, we quite often might turn our backs towards them to talk to our friends or just not be in the moment mm, with mm, the horse. Mm, mm. So it's a lesson there, everyone, to be on the same side and just keep watching, keep alert. Yeah, I mm. say you treat every horse as if they're a young horse. Mm-hmm. Young horses treat us so much. You know, we'll walk up to a horse and pat them right on the middle of their forehead and you know, horses that have had it done a hundred times, they don't really react to it. But a foal, when you go to do that to their head, they sort of pull their head back a little bit because you don't realise that you're entering a spot where they don't have great vision. Mm. And so foals will tell you that, and young horses, they tend to tell you that, but older horses, you know, they're used to things happening to them like that. So mm. I mm. like to treat every horse as a young horse or a horse that you don't know. Yep. And that's sort of the safest way to do it. All horses can be dangerous and the statistics are that 11 people get hospitalized every day due to horse-related injuries. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whilst most of them are riding injuries, there are just common day-to-day management strategies that result in injuries, handling yes. and leading horses. Yep, yep, no, that's good. All right, now have you got a book that you can recommend to our listeners? Well, not a particular book. Um, and this is probably not really related to people who have been in the industry for a while, but I say any horse anatomy book. If you are working with students and or people in the industry, people who have been working in the industry for years might not know basic skeletal and, and mechanical anatomy. Mm-hmm. And that really comes into play when we're talking you know, about riding horses and horse health. So I think the general underpinning of anatomy is yep. actually really important. And it's something that you'll find that a lot of students or people in the industry might not have a good overall knowledge of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know that you said any horse anatomy book, you know, so people can get that underpinning knowledge, but can you name one of them? 
there's a horse anatomy atlas. I think it's called Veterinary Horse and uh, Veterinary Anatomy Atlas Horses. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. It's more it's a a picture one. And that's, okay. Uh, I guess the way that I learn a lot of things, it breaks down every individual parts of anatomy and sort of labels them in a visual way, which mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And good for people that are um, that are teaching too to have that that they can you know, use it to teach their students just a little bit more about anatomy. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to in the moment, Jamie? You've got your young horse that you're bringing on. What what else are you doing? Yeah, um, and I've just started doing sort of a a more full-time teaching role here at the university. Mm -hmm. So that's um, what I'm sort of looking forward to over the next couple of years. And we've got a few, hopefully, research projects. I'm finishing off my project on alternative supplementation in mares and the comparison between injectable and oral formulations. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, very keen to get my little one going. She's yeah. going to have – I probably won't start her for a year or so yet. Okay. All right. And and we might be able to talk to you some more about your um, research that you've been doing in reproduction as well, Jamie. That would be great if you could come back yeah. and do that. Yeah, definitely. Now, Jamie, in a few sentences, can you summarise your philosophy with horses into a message for our listeners? Yeah, so I guess when you're working in the horse industry, a lot of people quite commonly say, you know, it's who you know. And I have a different philosophy. I I believe it's who knows you. And people know you for a reason and you want that to be a good reason. So you want to be working hard to make, not necessarily a name for yourself because it's not all about everyone knowing you, but do the right things and, yeah, try and learn something every day to help you do that. Yep. And it's a small world, isn't it? You know, even even over the other side of the world, we had a someone recently who'd been involved with someone when she was in the States and they heard, you know, from the US, they heard her podcast and contacted her and said, oh, that's where you are now, you know, but um, it can reflect on a bad note too. You know, you do something wrong, you do something bad, and it's going to be repeated again and again. Yeah. 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 All right, Jamie, how can people contact you? They can contact me on my email, which mm-hmm. is jloy at csu.edu.au, mm-hmm. or they can contact me on my phone number, 0411397346. Okay, and those details will be on your page, which will be horsechats.com slash Jamie Loy or horsechats.com and search for Jamie, and that's J-A-Y-M-I-E, or if you want to go Loy, because that's a bit easier to spell, just L-O-Y. Okay, thanks, Jamie, for talking to us today. Interesting hearing about, you know, about just your role within the horse industry, you know, and everyone sort of has a different role, different type of role within the horse industry, but teaching students as they're coming in and teaching that really important horse handling, you know, something so basic that you just think, oh, yeah, I can do that. But but there's so many mistakes that can be made. Yeah. All right, thank you and goodbye. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.